Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the CityWire Ratings Radar podcast. And this marks the end of the first half of 2020 and what a half it's been. Had you been uh, on the moon for the first six months, you might have come back and said, well, the MSCI World Index is down a few percent. What's all the fuss about? Uh, for those of us who've had to stay on Earth, it has been uh, pretty tumultuous through the pandemic with a massive fall in risk asset prices in the first quarter and a remarkable recovery in the second quarter. Uh, helping me make sense of this as usual is my co-host Angus Foote and our specialist researchers, Nisha Long and Frank Talbot. Uh, is going to be talking about European equities managers uh, in a few moments, but first uh, we're going to look a bit wider. We're going to look at the global equity sector with Frank. So uh, what have you got for us, Frank? Hi. Yeah. So last week I spoke about uh, global equity income, uh, which is uh, a, an area where our performance has been few and far between. I said just three managers have outperformed. But now I'm broadening to equity global. This is the largest uh, category that we track of fund managers, something like 2,000 portfolio managers worldwide. It hasn't been a particularly pretty period for them either, not to the same degree. You've had about 26% of global equity managers outperforming over three years. Over five, that's just 20%. That might seem bad, but that is actually an improvement on, on where it would have stood at the end of 2018. You'd be lucky if 10% of fund managers were outperforming over that period. So it's been extremely challenging for all the reasons I've mentioned before, the, the waiting to the US and the growth of technology. You had to be overweight the US pretty much, and you had to be overweight tech uh, to perform um, I want to flag up two managers, as ever. Um, both of these uh, individuals have hit AAA for the first time this month uh, in this sector. The first is New Capital's Jeff Lee. He has scooped the uh, top award at the 14th time of asking. He runs the New Capital Global Equity Conviction Fund. It's available on all good countries across Europe. Um, it is a mix of quality growth stocks with, with some bond proxies in there. Um, the biggest position in the fund is actually S&P. It also owns MSCI. It's got some exchanges in there, including the LSE. So a lot of these non-traditional financials have done pretty well in the crisis. Um, it doesn't take massive bets, despite having conviction in the name. It's got 64 positions. It's rare for a fund to be at the top of this sector without taking massive positions uh, in particularly technology over this time. So a lot, of, a lot of those bets have gone right. It's got a 16% off benchmark in China, in the usual names, Barbar, Tencent. Uh, it's got global brands like Ferrari, Nike, Sony. It's, 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 it's a strange beast, really. It's a, a well-diversified global equity fund that's done well. And um, the, the manager, Jeff, has become uh, a bit more cautious following the rally, uh, become a bit more defensive. It's an interesting pick on account of just how well-diversified it is. Uh, and the next individual I want to flag up is a, a gentleman called Stephen Yu. Uh, unfortunately, it's only available in the UK. There's a lot of interest around this fund manager. He runs the uh, LF Blue Whale Growth Fund. Um, UK only, as I said, uh, ex Artemis, very high conviction in the same rain, uh, vein as your sort of Terry Smiths and Linzel Trains, backed by Peter Hargreaves, who uh, is co founder of a large platform here in the UK, Hargreaves Sandstown. Uh, it's currently ranked 31 of 1,500 managers over three years worldwide, just 25 holdings. It is massive into tech. 62% of the fund is in tech. 
top 10 positions. Uh, it doesn't actually list the size, but it's got uh, Adobe, PayPal, Intuit, Autodesk, Autodesk rather. So lots of software companies in there. Um, he's, uh, he put out a note recently I found quite interesting. He's wary about what he calls um, COVID bubble stocks, like you know, gym equipment manufacturers. Uh, uh, doesn't think the business models stack up. Doesn't name any names here, but I guess he's talking about the Pelotons of this world. Um, also sort of low quality bargains, these old world stocks uh, that are they're so structurally challenged uh, before the crisis and even more so afterwards. You know, traditional retail is the classic example here. And then uh, post-COVID uh, quality traps, so hotels, coffee chains. That's an interesting one because there's definitely some managers who bought into coffee chains. Starbucks is featured in a lot of people's uh, pickups during the, the sell-off. Uh, so basically, he's sticking to his guns uh, of, of what he was buying before. And like, I find this quite interesting. How long can this, this quality growth rally continue for? once we come out of lockdown and if we've if we've accelerated by uh decades in a matter of months uh from from where we were is that already in the share price it, does that just mean that their stranglehold in the market gets more and more and and the, the the you know competitive advantage they have gets greater and they can continue to be attractive companies and basically when will the trend of the kinds of managers that are at the top of global equity revert to something that looks a bit different because you're Terry Smith and you're, and you're Stephen Yu and Lindsay Train, they've all done a killing out of virtually the same kind of you know, mantra. Well, there's, there's, that's one way of looking at it. Another might be, do the other you know, traditional value people capitulate and join the party uh, and buy these type of stocks, in which case those stocks go even higher. Uh, uh, you know, it's sort of gun shoot at the OK Corral, isn't it? See who will who will blink first. But uh, Angus, what are, you, what are your fund buyers telling you in this respect? Well, I'd be quite interested to hear Frank's views on um, a, a slightly different question, really. The, traditionally, the perception was that, that fund selectors didn't use global equity funds because a lot of global equity funds were essentially asset allocation plays in themselves. And if you're a, if you're a fund selector selecting um, individual strategies, in sort of sub asset classes, if you like, you know, country asset, country funds, European equities and so on, you didn't necessarily want global equities. Now, I mean, over time, I think that's been proved not to be true. And I think that these funds are used perhaps more by fund selectors than uh, people sometimes assume. But Frank, I'd be interested to hear you talk there, particularly your first pick uh, about the diversification uh, that it offered. And it seems to me you've got two things going on, haven't you, in these portfolios? There's the, the, the asset allocation part. So the overweight China, you said earlier that you had to be in the US or in tech. Those are the sector and country calls. But then you're also talking about people that are making very specific stock picking decisions. You know, for in, Peloton, for example, or coffee chains. What can you tell us about the different types of managers that are, that are coming to the surface? I mean, you talk about growth versus value, but there's also this extra layer here isn't there yeah i think uh come to your first point about um you know people didn't buy global equity income or global equity funds uh you know fund selectors i think some of these portfolios have been too successful not to and you pick up on the diversification point there they're not very well diversified and they're very focused on growth and i i, I think probably attitudes have changed but there's there's another uh, reality to that is it, in most of the cases, you'd be much better off 
picking up a, a tracker in, in global equities if that's what you wanted exposure to but maybe that's you know that's probably not what they want to do you want individual um regions have tended to be uh better on the quality front you know uh, europex uk is 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 a great sector but if you were to go pan europe it's, it's not quite as impressive breaking out into its constituent parts is better there are some great Japanese equity managers that I flagged up previously, but that's 10% of global equities and, and finding a global equity manager who's outperformed or is going to outperform is, is really challenging. So uh, I think it's, it's still the case that you want to pick the, the regions. But I, in the case of these, these investors picking chunky bets, uh, I would say that they are they're definitely, definitely too good to ignore. And I know there's a lot of there's a lot of hot money there. There's a lot of consumer money going into some of the names that I mentioned. But again, the returns are just astonishing, and you you would have missed out in a big way if you hadn't started considering them as part of your process. I flagged up Christian Hugh the other the other the other week. He runs a global XUS fund. There's no way that um, that people aren't aren't looking at that. U.S. investors in particular maybe allocate to this area differently because they think about the world. They think about the U.S. Which is and the, and the yeah. rest of the world. Yeah, yeah. that's a good point. The old New York cover, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. The US is 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 the world, and then the rest yeah. of the world is a separate market. And they have unbelievably good uh, fund managers, partly because they've been able to take out the US from the index, which has been the impossible bit to outperform. And then they've got there's some real quality in that area, of which Christian is one of those managers. Yeah, just to put um, one thing, um, MSCI World as well. The index is actually at sixty five percent invested in the US alone. And then the next country is Japan at just 8.2%. So it just shows you how much, you know, it has been driven by US stocks, especially over the year to date, especially. So you have yeah. the likes of Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, et cetera, in the top 10 of the index. 10 years ago, that looked, looked more like 50%. So it's in the, in the, since the last crash, things have changed dramatically. The US is basically the index, Japan and then a tiny bit in the UK, four or five percent. I can't remember what it is. It's not a great deal. So it, it has become a sort of one country play with, with a little bit around the outside, which is why it's quite interesting that uh, the, the first manager is, is underway the US, Stephen, uh, sorry, Jeff Lee. He's 53% of the fund in the US and he's outperformed. In fact, like, I can't think of anyone else has outperformed and he's got 64 stocks. So I'm saying a, lo a, lot of it, a lot of his calls have gone right for him to be where he is. Well, you'd, uh, just to bring you in, Nisha, you did this wonderful graph, graph of the month uh, or chart of the month. Oh, chart of the week. Yeah, uh, yeah. Or chart of the week, sorry, <laughs> where it was the, that FANG Plus index, which is basically five US tech companies and five Chinese tech companies. Yeah. Put those together and they have shot the lights out. And they have shot the lights the out. So year to date, the, yeah, 32% year to date. And you compare that with the MSCI world, which is down 6.5%. So, you know, it's a huge disparity there in itself the actual index was created in 2017 september 2017 and it's produced 106 percent returns since then so that is just astonishing and gets against the world index of what 17 percent so you can see where the main drivers of growth and you know have is, is the tech stocks right. or the, the scene well, tech stocks let's see where we are at the end of the next quarter and that just pivoting to you, Nisha, uh, Frank described EuropeX UK as being full of good companies, a lot of, lot of pharma companies, a lot of luxury companies. Uh, so who's, who are the managers doing the business there? Yeah, so the focus on European um, ex-UK. Um, so the first manager I want to talk about is Ben Ritchie of Aberdeen Standard. 
And he's come in with his first AAA rating this month. And what I like about him is that he's steadily been climbing up the ratings ranks. So his, his performance on a rolling three-year basis has you know, gradually been improving. So he manages a UK domiciled version and a European SICAV of um, an Abertine Standard Europe ex-UK fund. And he manages this with um, Kurt Krugshank, who um, has held a AAA since February, but he also manages German equity funds. So it's a slight different um, manager um, managing funds. But um, what I like about him is long-term focus. Uh, in the past three years, the fund's up 23%. And the average fund in the Europex UK sector is down 2.5%. So he's made some pretty good calls, you know, over the last three years in itself. But the fund is concentrated. There's not many European ex-UK stocks out there. So he has about 29 stocks, a high conviction portfolio. But he does have the usual suspects like Nova Nordis, Nestle, um, also Amadeus IT Group, which has done particularly well in his um, portfolio year to date. Um, but he's been pretty active during this crisis. Um, so one of the things he has bought into um, is video games um, developer Ubisoft. And uh, I can tell you one thing, I have been buying a lot of um, video games for my son <laughs> So during this um, crisis. So just going on the back of that, you know, a lot of people at home, you know, and he's jumped on that as well. So he has been able to talk to the management of the company. Um, they have postponed um, three game releases, and I know this because my son has been after them and he's watching it closely um, when they release these games. But um, yeah, it's when the market reopens properly, you know, they will be um, releasing the games, but this should help their share price as well after that. Another company he's up to his position is um, in is SAP, the business software company as well. Um, this is a, quite a staple in these um, Europex UK portfolios. Many you'll see it in the top ten of many um, of um, the portfolio managers in this sector. But um, yeah, so he's also been able to meet with the managers during this time, um, confirming you know margin expansion over the next twenty four months. So you know he's been con in constant contact with these companies and then adding them to his um, portfolio, which is uh, yeah he's been pretty active. Now, just on the back of that, I want to mention um, two BlackRock managers who've come in straight away with a AAA rating. They have a similar kind of portfolio as um, Richie in their top 10. They, he also, well, they also hold Nova Nordis and also SAP. Um, they manage um, the European Focus Fund and the Continental European Fund. Um, over three years, 22% returns, just slightly lower than Richie, but still you know, way up there. A slightly different composition to Richie in um, the top holdings are in tech um, and healthcare, which have been main drivers of um, the rally going on after the recover well, the recovery period. Uh, and, Nisha, I didn't, yeah. didn't catch the name of the managers of that fund. Oh, Stefan Grease and Giles Rothbath. Okay. The two managers. Don't uh, think I mentioned them at the beginning, did I? <laughs> Don't worry. But, um, yeah. So yeah, AAA rating comes in straight away. You know, they've done really well. Because they've, they've changed their European franchise, haven't they? Is that why they're new here? Because they used to have a, a really good, I can't remember the name of them, but they used to have some really good managers there. And I think they've changed them in recent years. Yeah, so, so this, the funds which I mentioned, um, that's been going on for quite a while, that they've only just, um, they took over, um, okay. basically. So it's just, yeah, a change of management there. But over the last three years. Sorry, Andrew, I have, I, No, I have a parenting question for you. What are you going to do at the end of, uh, when we come out of this, are you still going to keep buying your son those computer games or are you going to say, no, that's it now, no more? 
I haven't actually been buying them. <laughs> so okay. There have been a lot of requests. Um, it's been, um, yeah, showing me things on the internet constantly. Um, I have given in because it was his birthday, but um, yeah, two or three in the pipeline. We'll see how he behaves with homeschooling um, in the following weeks so maybe well, for some so holidays. It wasn't an entirely frivolous question um, yeah. because Frank mentioned Peloton and, uh, and then it seems to me it's a similar story. These are the, these kinds of companies that everyone's getting very excited about in this world where we're all sat at home on our exercise bikes, buying our children video games. My children, there's a constant, there seems to be an endless supply of Amazon packages turning up at the door. You mentioned your mum getting onto Amazon a, a few weeks ago. I, I, I just wonder whether we come out of all this with uh, a new sense of which investment sectors are going to be the drivers going forward. Are, are these things genuinely long-term investment stories or, or are, we, are we in a blip? Well, it's interesting because Peloton was a fairly disastrous IPO, as I remember, not helped by that ghastly Christmas advert, which just put everybody off. And then, hey, presto, lockdown happens and no one could go to the gym. And we haven't even had a reopening dates for gyms here. Uh, and we had yesterday, who was this, who bought Mirror? Uh, this it's basically an internet connected mirror <laughs> company called Mirror in the States where you do your exercises and someone paid $500 million for it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, maybe we all rush back to the gyms uh, full of, you know, other people's sweat and stuff. I'm, I'm not sure. Maybe, maybe we'll just stay at home and exercise instead. So, Well, uh, you, if you want to go back to the gym, Richard, let me know what it looks like when you get there. I will do. <laughs> Frank, go on. Where, where are you exercising? Where am I exercising? Uh, I, I play tennis actually uh, most most days. Which oh, is that's allowed. Which is being great. It is allowed. Uh, that is obviously great. I think uh, come back to Angus's point about you know what, what's going to survive when we come out of lockdown. It's all about how deep it can get its claws into you. I and mean, we talk about video games, the biggest entertainment medium on the planet in terms of revenue. Yeah. And uh, I think some investors, maybe from a bit more old school, kind of woken up to this. But there's that um, that sort of that feedback loop you get from playing any game that uh, is is that you're going to hook some people, and that's what a lot of the investment in is, is about in video games. It's also a massive growth medium, so maybe that's not the the best example. I think uh, I think it probably will have legs, and um, it's it's going to be about the other stuff that, that that becomes part of our daily lives. I think a lot of that's been found. We've been doing a lot of time sort of thinking about what are the stocks that, that are slightly tangential that you're not thinking about. We did a, a great piece on pets chris slowly did on selector uh the sort of you know the, the pet the pet boom a friend of mine uh who i'm not going to talk about they they took in a rescue dog at the beginning of the lockdown and uh yesterday turned around i got a message saying that they're going to have to give the rescue dog back so it comes back to your point about you know pet mm -hmm. pets not just for lockdown it's for life i think they 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 took on too much small flat in london and uh, yeah that was, yeah. that was really difficult, right? um, but the demand for pets is obviously extraordinary right now, as Nisha can uh, can tell us. Oh, I got him before the lockdown. <laughs> he was born way before. <laughs> well, we'll leave our pet subject there, and uh, thank you very much for taking part again. Uh, we're going to take a break next week, uh, but we'll be back in two weeks' time with the next edition of the podcast. So goodbye from us all. Thank you.